Hey, Slip Angle listeners, it's Abe. Today's episode is with Andy Smedgard. We're up at Ice Battle 2019, and he and I talk about a whole bunch of different things. Just wanted to prime you a little bit. He and I were sitting in the car at Grid, so he was multitasking while he was recording a show, and he was also uh, releasing cars out onto the track at Ice Battle. So if he sounds a little bit distracted, it's probably because he was, but have a listen, and we hope you enjoy it. things all right we're up here in stevens point wisconsin at ice battle 2019 it's basically multitasking right yeah (laughs) so uh how cold was it this morning when we got out to the lake uh my temperature said negative 24 some people uh i think eric and megan up in wausau said negative 28 this is before wind chill yeah things did not want to start this morning but uh, weather is like really good right now. It's sunny-ish, and it's yeah, it's it, only minus five. And I've always told people anything under zero, it all feels the same. It's just how quick you get cold. Yeah, I believe that. So it, it, you walk out actually, and it doesn't feel that bad at all. And the sun's out, so it makes it feel like it's warmer than it really is. But yeah, it's still negative. My my car says negative four. Well, it also means when you're sitting in a car, it's if you're dressed warm, it's especially hot. Yeah. All right. Hold on, I gotta get some people in up to the start line. Course is going hot, corner workers. Course is going hot. Hopefully, there's not too much editing for you. So we've got a uh, red Miata. That's uh, pretty old, looking on very narrow studs. Yep, these are those are Menard studs. Um, old, they're like a factory built studded tire. It's a it's a retread. Um, not very common nowadays. I think they only come in like 13 and 14 inch sizes or something. They look to be about as wide as uh, bicycles. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty narrow. They're they're fun. Yeah, they last, um, I should say, they're a little more durable than some of these home-built studded tires, but definitely not as much grip. Now, do you rebuild a set of studs every year for, for the season? No, you can you can actually, if you build them right, they'll, they'll last quite a while. Uh, it depends how aggressive you want to get with them, if you want to put a ton of bolts through it. Um, sometimes you can you start compromising the, the tire carcass. We've got uh, Luke McGrew and Matt DeRoos coming up uh, on the line here. The car makes that? so much power. Uh, <laughs> we'll get some car noises. as you, He drove as from West Virginia to come ice racing for the first time ever, and I think he's having a good time. Yeah, I think, I don't know if he's staying tomorrow, too. I think he is. Oh, you need all the head start you can get. You ready? Yeah. Go. Um. So, uh, for the listeners who don't know, kind of, uh, you know, give us a little bit about your background. I think a lot of people know that you're, you're kind of at the elite level of time attack, but tell us how that began. Where do I start? Um, I mean, are we talking going all the way back to when I first got into cars? When your, when your mom and your dad first met each other. I don't even know. (laughs) No, I got into cars just, you know, in high school, you get turned 16, you get your driver's license, you're all in the cars. Um, and for a lot of people, I think it it um, it kind of fades away after a while. They kind of realize it's you know just a little phase, uh, and they move on to you know bigger and better things. 
but what, whatever I those are. Yeah, I didn't. It just kind of stuck with car stuff. Um, stuck with car stuff and um, kind of got into, you know, just your normal, we'll call it Mexico racing stuff for a little bit. And uh, one sec. Alright, sorry. Car number 127. Um, so yeah, got into car stuff out of high school, uh, eventually just, you know, scoot around with cars, had a bunch of DSMs for a while, spent a lot of time fixing those, and then um, one guy actually is here at Ice Racing with us, still do, still hosts a lot of club stuff with us, uh, with me. Um, Tom Hilly got me into doing some autocross stuff. Sorry. <laughs> We really should announce this over the PA. It'd be a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, trying to get good people to come up to the line. It's not very easy, apparently. Stop! Stop! <laughs> Alright, go. So, yeah. Alright, car stuff. DSMs. Broke a lot of that stuff. Got into some autocross. Started doing a lot of autocross just locally. Um... Probably five, six years just spent, just spent, um, lots of time doing autocross locally, doing, um, I don't know, local autocrosses. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do two things at once. I'm horrible at this. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm trying to listen to the radio, get, bring, start people up, uh, and, um, also talk at the same we'll time. We'll just call this practice for later. <laughs> so. Number three. That was number three. And so I did autocross several years and really never spent any time outside of the state. Pretty much did all local stuff. Um, there, there was one summer I did like 20-some autocrosses. And um, I don't know. I just felt like I was that was like me learning how to drive. Sure. Because uh, I was definitely not a quick learner. I know a lot of people can just – like I've, I've seen so many people in the past third time autocrossing and they're like near FTD. And it just frustrates me because I spent like three years getting to that point. Sure. So, yeah, it was a, kind of a, many years of just autocross. Um, and then eventually kind of got uh, a little taste with the local Milwaukee region SCCA, which those guys are a little bit more competitive. And kind of got a taste there. And I wanted to start doing um, some more real higher level competitive events and kind of spent the next few years doing national um, or Bigger SECA regional and then national events, and uh, had had some pretty good success there. I've I've went to nationals twice and won it both times. Oh, so, I I was actually unaware. I I knew you had won. So the one technically is um, it was when there was a class called RTA. It was a provisional class when they first started bringing street tires to the stock level category. Uh, so it was technically a provisional class. So you hardcore autocross guys will probably say it wasn't a real <laughs> was class then, real? but I don't whatever. I don't care. Um, and your, and, your other both championships were in S 2000s. Um, so the one, the first one was in a, a WRX. Okay. And then the second one, yeah, was in an S two. So okay. B street S 2000. So, uh, no, or what year S two? Uh, it was actually the S two Eric, uh, and Megan have, it was, uh, Oh, Oh four, Oh five. Okay. One of those. Well, uh, people will say that, uh, those transmissions, the five speeds are kind of weak. Six speeds. Oh, Transmissions? Yeah. S two. I mean, they're all weak. No, no, they're, no, all sorry. Six, they're all six. They're uh, you, You're talking about the WRX. Oh, the WRX. That was a, it. Was a stock prepped car. So yeah, they are weak. But I mean, the car was bone stock. We, got so. it. 
Yeah. Not not so powerful to be a problem. Right. To me, autocross is always like. A, oh, one sec. Copy. Hold start. Um, autocross has always been more for the stockish type cars. For me, as a because I just want to go do autocross as a driver and not sure. necessarily as building a car. I I don't like the investing that much time and money into a car just to go do autocross because the autocross your limited runs less oh, seat sure. time. Yeah. So I always thought of autocross as it's got to be with a stockish car that can drive there. Um, well, I, I and... think my my local autocross now would be like at Grissom in mm-hmm. Peru, Indiana. Yep, and that's like I think it's about an hour and fifteen minute drive from my house. And to like trailer a car there and and to try and do three or four runs or whatever, and then trailer it back is a huge investment. I'd much right. rather just have a car that can be yep. driven to an event for autocross and then drive home. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. It's a lot of effort involved for such little seat time. Um, so yeah, it's just find a stock car, do the little competitive things that you need to do to stay competitive in that stock class, and then just go have fun and and just learn to drive. And then you can also see how you stack up against some of the best in the country. You okay. don't have to, you know, minimal investment. So, uh, from autocross, when did you get your uh, first opportunity on track? I don't know what year or anything it was, but in the mix, I started doing a couple, um, very few track days, just because you know I was younger, couldn't really afford much, didn't have a car really set up for it. Um, so I, I would do like one or two track days a year, maybe. And, um, I mean, I always knew it was something I, I wanted to do more of. It just came down to cost. Um, and then not really having the car, you know, I, I was kind of still into DSMs at that time and can't make those things. Yeah. <laughs> they right. they're, they're just, they just fall apart. Um, so were you doing stuff at like Brainerd at Proving Grounds? Is that Blackhawk? Pretty much. I spent oh, the first Hawk. few years. That was like the only track I did. Um, and then I started Started branching off a little bit. I got the Gingerman, and you know, then um, we started hosting an event called Proving Grounds up at Brainerd. So did a few of those, and and honestly, it wasn't really till I met a lot of the Minnesota guys that I started really branching outside of even the Midwest. Like I, I never did like to me driving a few states away was way too far, and then I met these Minnesota guys um, who were going to Laguna, uh, Laguna Seca for an event out there. Um, and I kind of tagged along with them and, um, and then from there, like ever since I met them, like it was a death spiral. Yeah. It's just been like, Oh, there's an event in California. There's an event in Texas. Like just distance was never, never kept us away from anything. Sure. Um, well, I, I think a key to that is having a reliable truck that can, you know, fit oh, five yeah. or six people and just and t- timing was kind of like, I, I was getting older, I was getting more wiser had a little bit, you know, a little bit more money, um, you know, and I bought a trailer and, you know, you kind of, you have, all that stuff was, it takes a while to get to. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just something you jump in and. It's like capital investment. Right. So like over these years, I feel like I was investing into my, if I would call it a racing program or whatever, I was, I was kind of getting the foundation set to be able to do this kind of stuff. Um, I hear a lot of people come up to me like, oh, I want to go do all these events. Like it doesn't just happen in one year. Oh, like, yeah. It, it, it took me a long time, and it's still taking, like, everything we do, it just takes a lot of work. Hold on one sec. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's just Dewey. <laughs> Dewey's being Dewey. Um, so, from there, you got kind of a, a quick start, right? You're doing your time at Blackhawk, and see, I, if, if, if I remember right, you have actually the standing start record at Blackhawk still. Is that true? Yep. So, that, that was actually... Um, I say the first time I started getting competitive was at Blackhawk with Midwest Council. They did high speed autocrosses, and um, 
yeah, started, uh, I can't remember what the first car I had. Maybe it was an STI. Nothing crazy competitive. Um, I can't remember what class it was. It was like the X mod. They have weird classing. And I was getting fairly competitive with that. And I, now I think that was when I found the point of like, I want a track car. I don't want a street car that I have to try to drive to the track and hopefully it doesn't break and get home. Sure. And I think I like, all right, I, I want a little more track only car which obviously I'll need a trailer for, and, and that's when I started making the transition of, all right, full track car, tra- truck, trailer, all that stuff. Um, and I bought the Evo, uh, I don't know when that was, that was six years ago? It was like almost new, right? That car has almost no miles on it. Yeah, the, I bought that car, I think it only had like 4,000 miles on it. Uh, the guy that, the guys that originally built them were from, Utah or something, and they they bought these two brothers. They bought three of these Evos, turned them into track cars right away. It's a it's an Evo Nine RS, right? MR. It's actually an MR. Oh, it's an MR. Okay. Nothing MR about it anymore. It's all, yeah, it's like nothing MR. <laughs> I think actually the e-brake handle, I think, is the only MR piece in that whole car. But uh, yeah, bought that. It was stock motor at the time. Um, actually had a bigger turbo and stuff, but I took that off right away. And then uh. What was on it? Precision 58, 57, okay. I think. It made like 460 horses fast. And actually, that's what I went first went to Blackhawk with uh, and set a lot of the standing start record stuff with initially. And then every year after that, the car just kept getting faster and faster. And I kept rebreaking my old record sure. over and over. So the car has since came a long way. So tell us a little bit about that path. So, man, that's, that's a long story. Hold on one sec. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go figure out this grid thing. These guys don't know what's going on. Yes. And we're back. All right. Sorry about that. Um, okay. So the Evo. The Evo. <laughs> Sending cars. All right. So the Evo started life with pretty much a stock engine with a big turbo. Uh, and I actually at the time I uh, didn't. I couldn't afford to be replacing motors or anything like that, so I actually put a stock turbo back on it. And then I got involved with NASA stuff, started doing some NASA TT classing, which was all power to weight limited. And it actually ran for a season or two pretty problem-free, minimal minimal issues. Uh, it's like the major. perfect setup. Yeah, stock it, turbo Evos are great. It was. It, the car just would, it could turn laps. It could do full sessions. Uh, and it was, it was, it was nice. <laughs> And then uh, I started, it's kind of funny because I'd started, I started, I was at the first inaugural Grid Life event that happened, I don't Grid know, Life what one that years was. That was a one-day event. 14, I think. Yeah, it was a one-day event. Was it 14? I think so. Yeah. Took my Evo as it was in the, in TTS. It was NASA TTS classing. And did pretty well. Oh, got to hold start again. So, um, yeah. Took it to the first grid life in NASA TTS classing, uh, which is like 350 horse, whatever. And at the time, there, I mean, there wasn't really much fast at grid life. I think right. it was, it was pretty much just all the West Michigan Honda guys right. that did it. So a lot of Hondas and stuff. So uh, obviously, it did well at that event. I think it was probably the most powerful car <laughs> by like 100 horse, and still only had like 350 then. Um, and then from there, you know, after I met the RS guys and 
trying to think. We kept it. It was stock turbo for, for like another season. But so, it was so Grid Life Two was the rainy year. You were also at that. Oh yeah, that was that was actually where I lost the motor, and that was actually not due to any sort of power issue. It was uh, an oil line to the oil cooler burst open and didn't catch it in time. Essentially, oh, so it ran out of oil and didn't catch it in time, and rod rod ended up shooting out the block. So. I bet that was expensive. Yeah, it was. That's kind of where the spiral started happening. We, uh, Ron had another motor from another car that we stole it out of. And we were also doing Optima stuff at the time. We actually had an Optima event that week after that event. Oh, my God. So Ron actually took the car with him back to RS, swapped the motor, and got that car back up and running actually in a few days. And I actually had to put all the street stuff back in it. I had extra, like, doors and all the stuff to put it back street for Optima. Right. So I got it back, like, that Wednesday, get all the street stuff back in it. And, and it was at NCM. Uh, the event was at NCM. Okay. So we had to leave, like, that Fridays. Had the car back together Thursday on the trailer, loaded up, went. And the car ran flawless that whole weekend. I was doing multiple sessions uh, and ended up winning uh, and that's that how event. And that's how invite. I got an invite. Got it. So it was, like... Just so crazy, you know. It went from from a very low point to like a very high point all in a week. Um, it's always, I don't know, it's just a roller coaster. And so uh, from that point in 2016, that was when uh, that was your first year at or no, 15 was your first year at one lap. Also, is that right? Because uh, I, I ran in 16, and that's when I I met yeah, you maybe, guys in 15. Yeah, that, I think so. I think so. 15, we did one lap of America. We did that with Ron's Evo. Uh, we call that Evo One Lap because that's now the Evo we use for one lap every year. But uh, yeah, we ended up going to that event with a relatively stockish Evo. I think it was what turbo was on it. I think it was a mo- it was a just a modified stock turbo we did, and uh, ended up taking third overall, which was like crazy because it was our first year of one lap. We really didn't know what we were doing. Well, and and Evos have a terrible reputation within one. Yeah, lap. we we were getting so much crap for being an Evo. Uh, everyone was calling it Evo Tuesday because there's no Evo that ever made it past Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> or very limited. There's hardly been an Evo that ever makes it past Tuesday. They always break. So, um, But, yeah, we did really well that year. Went back the next year with the same Evo. A little bit different mods, but not that different. And ended up placing second overall. And then the year after, it was had an engine issue. And the year after, we had a clutch issue. So we're going back again. We just need to try to claim our first. Keep spot. it simple this year, I think. <laughs> We're trying. It's always been weird stuff that has broken. It's how it, it's how it always goes. Um. So now your your Evo is uh, kind of modified to the most extreme. How much power does it make now? All right. All right. The Evo now. Fast forward a couple years. Now makes 750 horse sequential transmission. Dry sump, uh, you know, I don't know. It's got, uh, it's it's just it's almost stupid. <laughs> uh, it's now not really a car you can go out and lap. Uh, it requires pretty much a full team of people. Uh, it's I don't know. It's it's come a long ways, and in in, in some ways it's it's awesome. In some ways it kind of sucks because you know there's oh there's something about a car that can go do full twenty minute sessions. Uh, for sure and you know not really have too many issues but yeah now it's just like it's like a aircraft uh you know an f1 fighter taking off you have to do all these air 
checks and you know whatever. Sure. And, like that's what it is now. There's like a half hour of checks we have to do before we can really. Well, you've send talked to me off. about this before. How many how many dollars per lap does it cost to run? Is it com- if you want to talk competitive laps? It it's got to be, it's got to be in the five six hundred dollars per lap to be. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. No, it's. And, and so uh, when you and I first met at the time, you were kind of getting into this car life, but also you had a professional job and uh, you were, were doing this car stuff on the side. And recently you've taken a jump and you're now mm-hmm. focused exclusively on uh, car development. So tell, tell me about how that transition has worked out and you know what what makes you excited to get up in the morning and go to work? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite the change going from you know working your normal nine to five job, uh, and now it's kind of like I just get to do what I would want to do for fun almost. Okay. <laughs> um, call it early retirement. <laughs> it's it's not easy. I, I'm not. It, I hope people don't take it as like oh I'm just it's it's like a vacation kind of thing. No, it's I I'm more. I love to work. Like I love to just go out and do stuff. And this is this is my way of just doing what I get to love when you're to do. not one to sit still anyway. I right. think it's a it's like a photo moment when you're sitting down <laughs> in a chair. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, it started it started as you know whole car stuff started as a hobby, and I had people just kind of coming up and asking me if if I could just you know if I could do their alignment or I could do whatever just because I would I had to do it on my own car. And eventually just got, I got so busy with that. I eventually went part-time at my normal job so I could keep up and still do some of these side gigs. And, um, that eventually got too much as well. And I had to take even more time off of work. And pretty soon I was part-time normal job, full-time side job. Like it it reversed. And then, um, I eventually just kind of made the decision to just do it all on my own. Um, Because it was, it, it kind of started getting to be a little bit of a struggle balancing everything. Uh, so now that I get to do it all on my own, you know, I get to call the shots and I get to kind of manage things how I want to. And uh, financially, it's probably there's easier ways to make money. Like this isn't the you don't do this to make a lot of money. You got to do it because you like doing it. Sure. So it's I'm probably financially making less money than I did before, but I get to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> well, and you get to, you know, just go to work by walking outside in the garage and yeah. just doing your thing. So that, that helps, too. And that's that's kind of one of my. Uh, my strategies or whatever with with business is to keep costs uh, overhead and stuff low, so I don't have to try to make a lot of money. Uh, I feel like I, that kind of traps you to, you know, you got if you got to make five grand just to make a dollar in the one month, you know, because you have that much overhead and that much expense, it ruins it for me. I don't want to have to be trapped into making a lot of money just to survive. Right. And so uh, you've you've had some, I guess, real development success this year in particular because you've got a number of customer cars that have went from being kind of fast to extremely fast. Tell me about how uh, those working relationships go and um, you know what what those achievements have been. Yeah, so I I I feel I've been lucky to meet the right people and to, um, yeah, honestly, it comes down to just meeting the right people and kind of sharing the same envision that, you know, that, uh, I, uh, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't know. I just feel lucky. <laughs> well, I mean, 
it's it's kind of crazy to me because when when you and I met, I had thought that you had known the guys from Minnesota for basically forever because it was such a it was a tight knit group. It was almost like a gang. Right. Um, I didn't realize that you guys had met maybe a year or two prior. Yeah. And and that, that... one sec. Yeah. So like I was saying, meet, meeting the right people, I think was, you know, the luck, luckiest thing that, that happened. Um, you know, meeting the RS guys and stuff like kind of showed me a whole different viewpoint of like how many, how much we could do as a group effort combining forces and, and uh, Ronnie's kind of showed showed me a lot of you know a lot of uh, I mean taught me a lot of like tuning stuff and just the he's been running his shop for since 2002 I think oh wow so meeting him and stuff and, and kind of almost as like a mentor really sure like kind of taught me how to do some of the, or the approach of things uh, and that's helped a lot so what, uh, I mean, obviously if, if the viewer listeners don't know, uh, Andy's really worked hard to develop, um, a ready K swap, uh, S 2000, uh, yep. kit. Yeah. So, so the, 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 I like to do, I, I don't want to be just your normal, like performance shop or, or whatever. I want to be the shop. You just take your car to and like, I'll handle it all. You just tell me which events you want to do, which tracks you want to go to, when you want to drive or whatever. And just let me take care of everything, um, whether it be if it's stuff I'm doing myself or outsourcing. Uh, I try to do as much as I stuff, as much stuff as I can in house. But I mean, obviously, there's some things that just doesn't make sense to do everything in house. You outsource to someone that has, you know, like like engine building. For me, just to build one engine, I'd rather just take it and have Ron, who does a lot of engine building, he'll build the engine. Got but it. I'll oversee everything else. Uh, what car just left? I'm trying to remember. Okay. Yeah. So I've I've been lucky to meet like Alex, who has a um, an S two thousand. We did a K swap on, and he's now got some goals for this year, uh, where we decided to put a supercharger on it, and and that supercharger is uh, produced by who? It's a it's it's a, a Rotrex kit. Uh, we kind of took the the Craftsworks kit for an F series, and we had to do some modifications to make it fit a K. Okay. Um, but yeah, having really good results so far with that car, and and that's kind of I, I I feel I just treat that car like it's my own because I've spent so much time on it, and like it's it's if I if I had enough money to do that, I'd do exactly that to an S two. Like and Alex, I guess we just share the same kind of general goal with that car, and um, he kind of gives me freedom to do what i feel is right and sometimes i'm not always right with everything i want to do to it um, and that's that's the hard part in this market is there's there's not like a book you can just turn to that you're going to always do the right thing sure so you you have to a lot of times figure stuff out on your own so you guys were testing at barber a couple of weeks ago yep uh, how did that go very well car uh the I get to tease Alex because he actually did not go out during the wet sessions on Saturday in fear. He thought his car was, you know, something was going to happen where he wasn't going to be able to drive it on Sunday, which was weather was going to be perfect for Sunday. So he wanted to save his car and not drive it in the rain. And I told him, just, just drive it, just drive it. And he told me I get to call him some, some, some names. <laughs> uh, I won't say it on here. Uh, if he, if he didn't drive it in the rain and the car did not break on Sunday and, it did not break on Sunday. That's awesome. It went, uh, he, I think he spent all, almost all of his sessions, all 20 minutes on session. 
Uh, so, yeah, the car was turning laps. I don't know how many laps you made the whole weekend, but it turned several laps. Well, one of the things that it really inspires me about the S2 versus, you know, me driving an Evo is, um, you know, the cars can make a lot of power with some work, as most cars can, but the chassis are so much lighter that I think the consumables and, mm-hmm. and like, how much less you're spending on that kind of thing really make it an attractive option if you're building a track car or a competition car. Yeah, and we co- we both come from Evo backgrounds. Evos and your your you know STIs, they're heavy cars. They're even if you don't track them, they're the cost of ownership on those cars are pretty expensive. I, I can speak <laughs> so, to that. So, uh, to track one of them on top of it, to track one of those cars on top of already being a high uh, consumable car, it, it just gets expensive and. Um, I don't know, after I got my S2 and I started tracking it and just uh, just saw how cheap it was. I could go out and do full track days and brake pads are cheaper and I'm, I'm able to do three times as long on a set of brake pads. I, I just, it was it was hard to justify uh, taking the Evo every time when I could just take the S2 and it sure. was, the cost was one third or if not less. And I'll, I'll argue all day an S2 is more fun to drive than an Evo. Um, so I've only ever driven one rear-wheel drive car, and that was Matt DeRusse's NAE46 M3. And it was fun, but uh, here on the ice, I rode with you last year in the trainer, the Ice 2K, uh, and I've never in my life had a more visceral experience in a car, <laughs> ever. Yeah. S- anything on studs is just crazy. But add it with a really fun car that's already you know fun to drive and then add studs on it, it's just... I don't know. To me, the best driving experience ever. Like I, I haven't done e- even driving a 750 horsepower sequential Trans Evo. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of overbearing, right? It, like, it, it is. It you're takes t- everything, every bit of attention that you have to yes. make sure that things go right. Yeah, you are. You have to be so focused. Uh, otherwise, you're just wasting money and time. Like that. Like I said before, how much it is to, call it to, to turn laps on that car. It's can take the fun away a little bit when you know you you just spent your months well, it's, uh, worth of I imagine at that income. level it's kind of like um, you know it's a tool for a job and the job is to compete yep, exactly. and your love for cars changes because you may you you choose the best tool you don't choose necessarily exactly. the thing that you're having the most fun yep yep so if i just if i'm going to an event that i just want to have fun it's not really for competition uh, or I, I like to just do those kinds of events to remind me why I like driving. Because you, when I drive the Evo enough, if I'm not, um, I don't want to say I'm ha- not having fun. It's just you're so focused and sometimes you forget why you're doing it. Uh, and that's where when I take my S2, S2 out and go do 20-minute session, I'm just reminded, like, okay, this is why I do it. Let's, yeah, this, sure. this is fun to just go out there, turn 20 minutes, and just try to every lap try to be better than your last lap and fix every little sure you know, um, I don't know, just... so you picked up your car from rs west this week um man that car's fast uh, uh yeah the, yeah we left the car out in uh california and you've got RS... a few months lead time now what's uh what what changes are you going to make on the car uh for the coming season we're gonna we're gonna fix it <laughs> <laughs> and honestly we, we don't I don't think there's a lot of changes we need to do to, to make the car to make the car uh, faster, I guess. We, we just need we're, we've been focused on trying to get the car to just kind of turn laps and just dial things in again. Because the car is it, it's got a lot of potential. 
we just need to refine it. And that's kind of what we're our main focus on is on this year is to refine everything. Sure. Not, we don't want to add power. We don't want to. We may do some revisions to aero stuff to make we make it a little more efficient and um, make it a little more sturdy. I, I would say. Hold on one sec. So what do you mean by fix it? So last super lap we had we had some engine issues and we we kind of tore it down a little bit and it looks like the block has some cracks in it. Uh, so the block was probably moving around and uh, I don't know. There's, it led to a melted piston. So we've got to get, obviously got to build another engine for it. And um, from then on, we're just going to hopefully keep it running reliable, turn some laps, get some stuff dialed in, get suspension, get suspension uh, dialed in a little bit more, maybe make some aero refinements. Uh, and um, yeah, just hopefully just go turn some laps. Um don't need to add any more power. I think 750 should be plenty. Of Seven, course, 750 is a lot for any four-cylinder engine, I think. Yeah, and I, I know I say that, but every year I've I've always said, oh, we've got enough power. We've got enough power. I've been saying that since we've ran 400 and some horse. Like, that's enough power. And it's just, with the, the way the competition works, you know, everyone keeps pushing, and soon, you know, 750 is probably not going to be enough power in another year or two. People are going to be in the 1,000 horsepower range. So, I don't know. I don't want to be around well, for that. I know. And <laughs> honestly, I used to I used to not like the thought of like I didn't want to get involved with a car that was just crazy horsepower and basically what it is now. I I didn't think I didn't even want to do that because I thought it would be just way too hard and we just kind of kept um kept inching that way and uh, here we are with 750 horsepower evil. So, um, uh now that you have a, a shop and some of this can be related to marketing or like just demonstration of your capability, do you find that customers um, see you compete in that car and well, <laughs> uh, they recognize what you're doing or, or I, do the people just see shots on Instagram and, and just say, I need to go talk to that guy? Yeah. And I'd like to, I'd like to think that, that all this track stuff I do, um, is a way to justify it, you know, to, to it as like a business marketing expense. Oh, I'm sure it's and, a losing proposition. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, you know, if, if I really wanted to make money, I'd just probably stop spending a lot of money there, and I could probably make more. But um, it is kind of nice way to like, I don't know, use it as a business expense sure. <laughs> to a point. Um, I hope there's no uh, tax auditors listening because they. There's probably no one some weird gray on, no area there. No one that there. listens to this show is, <laughs> does anything of worth, I think. But uh, yeah, it it um, it is a nice way to showcase that you can maybe you 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 can say you know what you're doing. You know, it's sure. it's not easy to make these cars go turn laps, at, especially at that power level, and um, to at least show you know the records we have, the lap times we've done can hopefully be enough justification for someone to be like, okay, these guys, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They've run cars at this level before. Hopefully it builds a trust. Oh, sure. Uh, or, or, I don't know. So for, for 2019, I think you've, you've posted before that the, the next event will be uh grid life Midwest festival. What other events are on your calendar for this year? Uh, there's a lot of events The the big events though, uh, are going to be, the Grid Life Midwest Festival. We'll probably try to do speed ring again. 
Uh, we'll definitely try to hit up the CSCS guys up in Canada with their time attack. Maybe do the finale at TMP. Uh, the super lap battle thing at the end of the year at uh, Buttonwillow. And um, that's just no, for the more. H chassis, but you've got one lap. Yeah, also. yeah that's mostly for H chassis stuff. Uh, but yeah, then one lap. And uh, we, I, I actually do just with CWSCC, we host a lot of events throughout the year. So, I mean, that, that keeps me busy. For several weekends, we do uh, some autocrosses. We host some road course stuff up in Brainerd. So there's, it's every weekend there's something going on. Sure. So if uh, if people are interested in you know your program and what you're doing, or potentially looking for a higher end uh, qualified mechanic and <laughs> and just car builder, Flatter. how can they find you? Uh, probably the easiest. Easiest way, uh, uh, Facebook. As sadly as it is, Facebook. I do. That's where like most people contact me. Facebook Messenger. Okay. Uh, that's like ninety five percent of where all my business comes through. Is people just message me. Um, I'm more of a private shop, so it's not like uh, I have a phone that can be answered. Um, which I guess you could call my cell phone. Email probably. Uh, which easiest probably right through the website, just asmotorsports.us. <laughs> I don't know if you got that. Loud noise. ASMotorsports.us. Should be a contact form there. And uh, that'll probably be the best way. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, and we really enjoyed talking to you. We're going to try and stay warm here at Ice Battle. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah, do it again, hopefully. Yeah, see ya. (laughs) Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pits at Gridlife to say hello. Hello.